Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Sobolewski, and this is the final episode of the second season of our toxicology series that Susan Mazur and I from Seattle Children's put together. This episode focuses on vaping and liquid nicotine, which can be highly toxic, especially to small children. As is the case with the previous episodes, you can get CME and MOC Part 2 through Cincinnati Children's. Details in the show notes and on PEMblog.com. Hey, thanks for having me. Today's episode is about liquid nicotine, and we'll start this off with a case. A 10-month-old is found with a bottle of something called Fruit Loops e-juice in his mouth. He presents to the ED shortly afterwards with vomiting, drooling, tachycardia, and grunting respirations. What did he ingest? This is a case of a child ingesting liquid nicotine, otherwise known as e-juice. E-juice is used in a product called electronic cigarettes or e-cigarettes, which you may have seen around where you live. Basically, e-cigarettes are battery-operated devices. The battery is used to heat up a chamber which is filled with liquid nicotine. Then the liquid nicotine is vaporized into an aerosol that's inhaled by the user. The aerosol delivers nicotine plus additives and sometimes flavorings into the lungs of the user. The liquid nicotine or e-juice, e-liquid, or vape liquid, which are all different names for the same thing, can be purchased in a vape shop or from the internet. The devices used can be called e-pens, hookah pens, vape pens, along with other names. And you can use refillable pens, or you can use single-use vape pods with these devices. Because there's no tobacco in these products, they're often touted as safer than cigarettes. And this may be true in patients who have been smoking and they're using these tools as a way of quitting smoking. But the concern is that the simplicity, ease of use, and the way these things are marketed may be a pathway for nicotine addiction for non-smokers, especially teens. The other thing to know about vape products is that the nicotine in these preparations is often highly concentrated, and it might be mixed with a flavoring agent such as blueberry, bubblegum, or vanilla, for example. It can be sold in containers that range from the size of an eyedrop bottle to a gallon container. And sometimes these containers have designs that are appealing to a child. And often they are not in any kind of child-resistant packaging. All of these concerns lead toxicologists to be worried about nicotine ingestion or excess nicotine use in two age groups, the toddler age group and the teen age group. The first case I presented was a toddler who got into e-cigarette liquid. So now let's talk about e-cigarettes in teens before circling back to the toddler information. So in 2019, there was a survey called Monitoring the Future that surveyed 8th to 12th graders and showed that in that group, e-cigarette use had doubled in the two prior years. Users mostly cited the appealing flavors as the primary reason for use. So teens are likely getting addicted to nicotine at a younger age than before because more teens are vaping than had previously been using cigarettes. 
Now, recently, a study came out in 2020 that seemed to show a slight decrease in the trend compared to the two previous years. So that is some good news. What about toddlers? The problem for toddlers is the concentration of these e-liquid products. In one chamber for an e-cigarette, there can be about three milliliters of liquid. The nicotine concentration in that three milliliters varies from six milligrams to 100 milligrams per milliliter, depending on what you choose to buy when you buy your e-juice. What that means is that one e-cigarette can contain up to 300 milligrams of nicotine. This is at least 10 times more than the nicotine in one cigarette and likely tastes a lot better. It's also likely more than enough to be toxic to a 10 kilo toddler. So it's something to watch out for as more and more people are likely to have e-cigarette liquid in their homes. What are the clinical effects of nicotine poisoning? Well, first you would see stimulation and then inhibition of the nicotinic and muscarinic acetylcholine receptors. So what this looks like initially, typically within about 15 to 90 minutes of an acute exposure, you would see nausea, vomiting, sometimes salivation, sometimes dizziness, confusion, and diaphoresis. These are mostly stimulatory symptoms and are usually seen early. From this stage, patients with a more severe toxicity can more rapidly progress to serious symptoms, including muscle twitching, seizures, hypotension, respiratory depression, and coma. If death occurs, it is usually attributed to paralysis of the respiratory muscles or circulatory collapse. Luckily, these severe poisonings have so far been relatively rare, but it's important to know what can happen in case you ever see a severe poisoning. What about treatment for patients who have ingested liquid nicotine? Well, if the patient arrives very soon after a potentially toxic nicotine ingestion, and if their airway is protected, you may consider carefully administrating some activated charcoal, but only if the ingestion is very recent and the airway is protected. Vomiting is frequent, so charcoal administration may be very difficult in these situations, but it's something to think about and talk through with your poison center if you're not sure. There is no specific antidote for nicotine poisoning, so treatment should be geared toward clinical symptoms and very meticulous supportive care. Benzodiazepines are our usual go-to drug for treating seizures. Hypotension should be treated with fluids and a vasopressor if needed. And then atropine can be considered for the treatment of clinically significant muscarinic symptoms or bradycardia. Muscarinic symptoms include excessive salivation and bronchorrhea. Respiratory compromise may require intubation and ventilation. Again, all of this is rarely needed, but important to know in case you see a nicotine poisoning in your pediatric ER. Since we know that e-cigarettes are likely here to stay, there's been a lot of advocacy from pediatric groups around preventing pediatric and teen use of these products. The advocacy has centered so far around packaging rules and rules about flavorings. For packaging requirements, these vary state by state. Ideally, these will be packaged in small amounts in a child-resistant container. And work on advocacy around packaging is ongoing. What about flavoring? Well, we know when these products first came out, they were sold in 
a variety of very appealing flavors. And as I previously mentioned, the appealing flavors is part of the reason that teens were attracted to using these products. Well, as of January of 2020, flavored vape cartridges or pre-filled pods are no longer allowed to have exciting flavors. The only flavors allowed for the pre-filled pods and cartridges are tobacco flavor and menthol flavor. However, vape juice, e-juice, is still available in vape shops, and this is sold in bottles. And because this is not in a pre-filled cartridge, that rule does not apply, so people can still get all different kinds of flavors of vape juice sold from a vape shop in packaging that is either an eyedrop size up to a gallon size bottle. And this may still be around in people's homes and available for teens to use or toddlers to get into. So it's important to know about these things and ask about them when you're taking a history in the emergency department. And finally, let's talk about EVALI, which is an acronym, E-V-A-L-I, which stands for E-Cigarette or Vaping Product Use Associated Lung Injury. This illness was first recognized by the CDC in August of 2019 after severe and sometimes fatal lung disease arose suddenly in otherwise healthy individuals. All had reported that they recently used e-cigarette or vaping products. There was a federal investigation and the likely culprit was decided to be vitamin E acetate, which is an ingredient in some of these products. Although there was no definitive answer found after that investigation. Most of the cases of EVALI were found to be in patients who were using e-cigarettes that were also mixed with a marijuana product. EVALI does seem to be a lot less common now than when it was initially discovered, but it's important to know about and think about in your patients who are using e-cigarettes. So in summary, for liquid nicotine poisoning, Remember that a small amount can be toxic, especially to a toddler. There may be flavored products that are more appealing to both teens and toddlers. This may or may not be packaged in a child-resistant way. Symptoms include vomiting, ataxia, drooling, and seizures. And remember to think about e-volley or e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury in a sick patient who's been using vaping products. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Well, that's all for this episode of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. This was the final episode in Season 2 of the Toxicology Series. And this is not the end of our toxicology content, and we've got more in the works. Because, frankly, kids can't stop ingesting things that harm them. As I mentioned in the intro, this episode comes with CME and MOC Part 2 through Cincinnati Children's. Links and details in the show notes and on PEMblog.com which just so happens to be an educational site focused on pediatric emergency medicine. Hmm, why don't you check it out? You can also follow me on Twitter at PemTweets. Check out the Facebook page, and if you've got a spare moment, leave a review or a comment. Susan and I would very much appreciate the feedback. Until next time, this has been Brad Sobolewski.